Welcome to Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point, the B2B marketing podcast where we show you the proof in the form of case studies and success stories, and we get straight to the point so you can learn something valuable and get on with your day. Each week, we'll feature a top B2B marketing leader and discuss their revenue-generating strategies. You'll get actionable tips and learn how to accelerate growth through seriously smart marketing. Now it's time to have a look at the proof and get to the point with your hosts and founders of ProofPoint Marketing, Mike and Gabby Grinberg. Welcome to Show Me the Proof, Get to the Point. We are so excited today to have Steve Lamar. He's the founder and CEO of Promo Prep. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great. Well, you've got a pretty juicy case study for us to dig our teeth into today, and we're excited to to learn more about it. Um, And this is going to be a new one for the podcast because we are talking about personal branding vis-a-vis Twitter. So Twitter, in case anyone has forgotten, is that social media platform where you tweet, not like a bird. So you're going to share us a little bit more about that. I remember Twitter kind of back in the day when I was first starting out my career in marketing and and social media marketing in particular, and it was the number one place to be. It was the only place to be, actually. And and I miss those days fondly. We've made the decision kind of as a company to focus our efforts on LinkedIn. And so we've sort of put Twitter on the back burner, but I'm really excited and interested to hear about your success with Twitter. So let's, let's jump right in. Great. Yeah, so it is interesting because you mentioned LinkedIn and Twitter, and I think when you're talking about a B2B and, and where to focus, you can't pull, um, spread yourself too thin. And uh, I'm still in LinkedIn and, and do a little bit there, but I think um, I did gravitate towards Twitter. And it's, it's a very fast-paced sort of platform um, where people are sharing a lot of ideas very quickly. And, and so it is kind of a harder place to get into, I think, and particularly getting people to follow you and you're kind of tweeting out in the void a lot in the beginning. And so it can be frustrating. So I think if, depending on what your goals are, but I I think you can kind of treat it like any other platform where it's really about connecting with individuals and you have the ability to push out to the masses, but you're able to connect with individuals, which I think really is what I found success in either through direct messaging or through commenting on people's posts and things like that, where you actually engage. So this show is all about the proof. So let's get to the proof, Steve. Through your efforts in this campaign, which we'll dive into the details a little bit further, let's talk about what did you see? What did this effort achieve for you and your company? Yeah, so we saw a great growth of a year to date. We're about double in traffic to the website and we've seen about a 25% increase in in trials um, of the SaaS platform. So it's been fantastic. I mean, the exposure there, we're, we're really in early stages of this of building. And so we're really focused on brand awareness and, and getting our name out there. And so to have a platform where you can get a lot of exposure has been fantastic. So it has led to... Uh, to, to trickle down to the website and and actually to to new people signing up. So you got, you guys have a, obviously a freemium model. Have you seen yet the actual you know uh, end revenue impact from uh, from these efforts? Yeah, yeah, it has turned into to revenue as well, which has been great. You know, I think having that connection directly on Twitter, people relate to you a little differently. 
And particularly with a business like ours, where we are, you know, we're bootstrapped startup and, and kind of trying to be scrappy and get out there. And so I think there is a connection when you talk with people and demo with people because you may have had interactions with them on Twitter first. So let's talk a little bit about soup to nuts. Like, what are you actually doing? You know, what is going on on Twitter? What is promo prep the company doing? You know, your company handle versus you, Steve Lamar. And how is that different than maybe what we've seen in the past from Twitter? And sh share a little bit about that. Sure. I, I could kind of break it down in a couple of different ways. Um, one would be how am I kind of building in public? Right. So talking about the good things, the bad things that are happening as building a business. And so that attracts certain people because there's interest there from the standpoint of, am I adding new features to the product that might, they might be interested in, or, uh, is it solving a problem they might be interested in? So it's not promoting the product as much, but just talking about some of the things that we're seeing in the market or seeing other customers having issues with that we're now putting something out there. So I, I do talk about that a bit uh, it, on my profile. So that's one piece. And then the other is, is more that marketing side of trying to talk more about marketing things that are interesting to our actual customers. Um, so for instance, you know, I, um, my partner also is, is out tweeting as well. And, and she's put stuff out a little about how Pinterest is growing or how Snapchat's growing, or I might post things about Google analytics because that's interesting to people and marketing managers and things. So trying to put content out there that's helpful to the community that isn't necessarily directly connected back to the, the, the product but um, establishes us as uh, in, in the marketing community. So I mean, give us a, just a brief, uh, you know, 30 second overview of what Promo Prep does and who you're targeting. Cause you kind of mentioned, you know, marketers, marketing managers, et cetera, but maybe just, just to set the stage for the rest of the conversation. Yeah, uh, where it started, I uh, been in marketing for a decade or so, and I worked a lot with brands. I worked in agencies and so really ran into uh, marketers that the teams were using spreadsheets and it was very complicated. And so this tool helps them with the planning. Uh, it's basically a marketing calendar. It helps them with the, with the planning and, and team collaboration. And so our target really is marketing managers, marketing directors, marketing teams primarily. And it can span different industries for sure. Um, some of the sweet spots would be in, in e-com because they tend to be highly promotional and anywhere, even other B2B marketing teams as well, anywhere where there is some sort of complication of their campaigns and being able to track their campaigns and they have a large enough team that they need to keep everything in one spot effectively. So th this idea of, you know, personal branding online, and we see this a lot on LinkedIn. And I think Twitter, it's always been there because of just the nature of the platform. You know, it's, it's your own personal Twitter page and uh, people can have their own opinions there. But, you know, this idea of personal branding and creating content and promoting yourself, but also sort of elevating the voice of your company or the, the brand that you are a part of is kind of catching fire right now. How do you and your business partner, how do you guys manage that? Are there certain topics that you each talk about individually? Are there things that you decide, nope, we're not going to talk about that? That's, that's not nascent to our brand. You know, kind of walk us through a little bit about how this came about and, and how does it unfold in your day-to-day -day life as the CEO of a company? 
from the personal branding side, I don't really have a whole lot of guardrails because I do want to become genuine and connect with people. And so I'm not trying to just push my message out as much. So there aren't really a lot of rules we set there. Um, it's pretty much, we can be talking about what we're doing on the weekends, but also then, you know, I, I actually kind of, I, I do try to on the weekends actually have a little bit more fun. And then during the week, maybe I'll, I'll be talking a little bit more about the business and things like that. Um, but we also then have our handle our our brand handle that we do tweet out on and we'll use that to maybe retweet some of our personal things that it was getting some traction because that might push to a different audience. So we do have a combination of our personal brand plus our brand handle that, that does some, some tweets as well. I wonder if, if you've done the analysis, if you can dig into more of like, do you have a good understanding now of what types of either topics or content like resonate? Uh, specifically, like what types of things are actually driving the the growth, if you will? Yeah, I think there's a combination of the format. Uh, it's like Twitter is interesting because you could you could have your 280 characters, or you can add threads. You know, LinkedIn, you've got kind of pretty much one format. Yes, you can put video and things like that, but um, you could have just one thought that you push out, or something that is longer. And what tends to resonate is is threads where you have thoughts that you're joining together. And so things that I've found success, I mean, I, I had a post that was about, um, we're talking B2B a little bit, is like, what's your best swag you've ever gotten from a business, right? And it kind of blew up, like people were really interested in that. And it's something that um, people could easily talk about and connect with. And it didn't take a lot of brain power for them to then uh, comment on. And I think that's one thing in the social space is what, 90 plus percent don't actually interact. They're there to scroll and browse. So I think that the easier you can make things to actually interact with, that's really, I think, what resonates. Because if it, if they can connect with it, they'll either like it, they'll, they'll retweet it, or they'll actually make a comment about it. Do you feel like, um, like things like that that are just more general business related, but not specific to your company, your product, uh, you know, et cetera. Do you think that, I mean, obviously it resonates in terms of getting engagement, but do you, have you seen that, that type of content specifically drive traffic and then, you know, signups? Not so much. I mean, I think that that's going to drive maybe more followers and some engagement, maybe get your tweets out further and more uh, interaction. But not necessarily. I think that's where you, it's almost like a 80-20 in a sense where you're pushing out 80% of just who you are. And then maybe that 20% is a little more promotional or like I was talking about more a, a product focus where, hey, we're launching recurring tasks next week. And so here's why we're doing this and um, that kind of thing. So you're not going to get as much engagement with that. And people aren't going to necessarily uh, be commenting on those and things like that. But that will then lead to people hitting the website and checking out what you're doing. So there is that balance where you don't want to be too promotional, but you got to pepper that in a little bit. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. I just bought a book from somebody yesterday because they happened to retweet something they posted three months ago about a book they wrote. I never would have seen that three months ago, but I did yesterday and went and bought the book. Like, it's just a little things. And it was a small little tweet that say, hey, I wrote this book about coming up with content ideas. And 
I went and bought it. You know, so I think it's just peppering in some of that stuff that is like appropriate from that standpoint that isn't going to annoy people, but get them knowing what you're doing. So I'm glad you shared that 80-20 breakdown because that was going to be one of my questions is, you know, what is sort of the the cadence of or or the rhythm of how much content you're putting out that's more personal thought leadership versus, you know, brand or, or product specific. So thank you for sharing that. But I do have a question for you, Steve. So you're a CEO. You're the co-founder of the company. You've got kids. You've got a wife. I see from your bio that you also have quite a few number of pets and animals at home, uh, which we'll maybe talk about in the lightning round. And you're building a company. This is a startup. You know, you're still very much in startup mode. How do you, as a CEO and with all the other titles and, and job responsibilities that you have in and outside of the company, how do you make time for this? How do you do it? It's definitely a balance, right? I try to keep the balance between my what I do at work and, and what I do at home. I mean, now working at home and everybody else is too, but I'm here anyway. And I think that, you know, I'll work in the evenings here and there, but it might be with my laptop or watching TV or things like that. So I think there is the, the balance is there. Um, and I've got older kids, so it's not quite as hard. I don't have toddlers running around and things, so it's not quite as difficult there. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if that fully answered your question. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to dig in a little bit more when we get to the point. And I think we're about ready to get to the point. What do you think, Mike? Uh, my only, I guess the, the, the last question I was going to ask, I think is, you know, how are you measuring the impact sort of as you are trying new things? I know, um, actually I have to, I have one other question after this. I lied. Um, but like, let's talk about measurements. So how, how are you measuring impact of, of these activities? I love the measurement side. Um, I come from a kind of deep analyst um, point of view. So, so the primary thing is new visitors to the website, and I, I, I pay attention to that very specifically. Um, I do have existing customers that come because they go to the, the website and then go click login. So, I, I, they don't pay attention to as much as people coming to the site. So, new visitors. And then what they're doing. So are they just hitting the homepage and bouncing? Are they making it to the pricing page? Are they looking at the features page? If they're making it to the pricing page, are they actually interacting with it? Are they using the toggles? Are they looking at the FAQs? So those are the things that I really help me understand. Is it working? Um, are they interacting with it? So that's helpful. Um, and then trials. I mean, the signups are, are huge. Obviously, that's what we're trying to do. To either get a demo or get them to actually try it, our freemium version of the, of the product. On the traffic side, are you looking at particular channels or are you just looking at overall traffic? I focus mostly on, inner, on uh, overall just to get a pulse, but definitely digging down into channels. Um, as we're talking about Twitter and, and what that's done, I've definitely seen an uptick in direct and organic. So it's not just about the channel that I know is driving and I can see clicks from and, and traffic from. It's actually how is it impacting the other channel, the other, the two other channels that are a little harder to measure. Yep. I was, I was leading the witness a bit. I was hoping you're going to go there because that's one of the, that's one of the things we generally will almost always advise our, our clients is you look at organic, specifically brand traffic and even the organic and paid, even if you're running paid search. Like a brand traffic and direct as a leading indicator of 
are your demand and brand activities working? Absolutely. Because that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So uh, before we get to the point, I want to circle back to an, something that came to mind. So early in the conversation, you said that there's been a 98% year-to-date increase in traffic to the website and 25% increase in signups. Outside of the, the Twitter engagement that you and your co-founder are, are doing, what other marketing tactics or, or channels or strategies are in place at the moment? Yeah, so we do have some organic crits that the site's optimized and it, um, that drives a certain amount of traffic, not as much as I want. I mean, I, I come from the SEO space and so it's unfortunately something that I've neglected a little bit from the standpoint of building up content, but definitely some organic and then um, not as much marketing as much as just kind of direct sales outreach. So um, we do emails outreach as well. So that's that's drives some traffic as well. Wonderful. It's the time of the segment where we're going to get to the point. So in this part of the show, we're going to break down this case study even further so that our listeners at home can actually replicate your success. My first question to you is, why Twitter and why not LinkedIn? Particularly because I got traction early in Twitter. Um, and I came on to Twitter when... There's a kind of this explosion in marketing Twitter towards the end of November, early December, where a lot of marketers got exposure and really connected with each other. And so that's where I was gravitating towards. And so all of a sudden there was an audience that was exposed, right? Where in LinkedIn, it's not as apparent, right? Yes, you can be doing and searching for people's profiles and trying to connect with them and, and do that kind of really hard work to really connect with people. Um, but Twitter kind of almost exposed itself and it almost made it easier to go find people that I, I wanted to be talking with. But I, I think more broadly is it comes down to where is your audience? You know, can you find your audience? And since I found it, that's where I stuck. So quick uh, side note, the marketing Twitter, that is a hashtag. Is that correct? That's or, or how how did you kind of come about that thing on Twitter? Yeah, so um, one person, Turk, handles uh, that, Christina. She basically pushed out and said, hey, if you have a thousand or fewer followers, introduce yourself. And so all of a sudden it was, it was, became this thing where you get on Twitter and it's kind of intimidating. There's a lot of things happening. It's fast paced. You don't know where to jump in and, and nobody really cares until you have some follower base. And she opened that up and all of a sudden people were introducing themselves and saying, hey, this, this is who I am. And, and all of these people started following one another and it built this community very quickly, which I think is very unique and doesn't happen often, but that's where that started. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's an informal Twitter group. Twitter doesn't have group. Exactly. Right. Where it's very welcome. Like it's anybody can, if you're not joining anything, it's just, that's where people gravitated towards. So what, what have you been doing since? Cause I know we actually had another guest on the show that talked about marketing Twitter uh, a little while ago. And uh, I know that that it sort of fizzled out a bit in terms of the amount of engagement, things like that. How have you been adapting to that? Yeah, I would say there's probably a certain level of burnout. Just, I don't know if it's a marketing Twitter thing or just a social media thing. Um, 
you know, there's a huge explosion last year with everybody reaching whatever platform you gravitated towards. And I think even myself, I'm starting to feel that it's very difficult to always be on social. Um, it's draining it because you're connecting with people and talking with people. And so uh, I think where I'm heading is it's maybe just not quite as much. I'm still trying to keep consistency, but if that's not daily, maybe it's every other day or a few times a week. But I don't think it's going away. And I think I've still all made the same connections. I still want to keep connecting with people, but maybe that big kind of bubble of marketing Twitter, quote unquote, is, but I think everybody's still connected. So for anyone that's listening out there today and that's saying, well, gosh, I want to jump on this marketing Twitter bandwagon. What are some tips and advice that you would give them, whether they are a CEO or let's say, you know, a CMO or a marketing leader, and they're trying to build a brand for themselves, elevate the name of their company, elevate the brand uh, product that they may support or, or represent. What are some tips and tricks that you would share with them? I'd go even beyond marketing Twitter, right? Because that's, if you're selling to non-marketers, I guess now I'm curious if you even have a suggestion on if you're not, if, if marketers are not your target audience, is Twitter the right platform? I, well, I, I can't say that to every industry, but I think it can be. I, I think it just depends on who you're, you're targeting. But I, one group that I'm also in is other founders. And so there's a lot of people on there that are trying to kind of sell into founders, right? They, maybe they have chat apps or maybe they have books that they're writing about um, B2B software, things like that. So uh, absolutely, there, there's other areas that you can grow into. But I think part of it is like, like have, have lower expectations at the beginning and start by interacting with people that are in your audience. You're not going to be able to be pushing posts and tweets out there and get um, any sort of engagement for, for a, a long while until you've actually started to establish relationships with people individually, either through interacting with their, their tweets and commenting on them and um, having kind of conversations there or actually not publicly, but inside direct messaging and connecting with them there. I think those are the two starting points that people and myself found the most success with because otherwise it's frustrating when you are pushing content out there that doesn't get any engagement. Now, I know, for example, on LinkedIn, there's some pretty significant evidence that says that if you're using some sort of third party uh, publishing tool, like let's say a Hootsuite, for example, that um, now I don't think LinkedIn will ever admit this, but we have heard through the grapevine that that content gets suppressed because the idea is, oh, you're pre-scheduling or this is branded content, you know, company, sort of company handed content. So we're going to suppress that. So what we see a lot of happening on LinkedIn is people natively going to the platform, whether it's on mobile or their desktop to share. What about in Twitter and specifically for you, Steve, as a busy CEO, as a dad, founder, all of the above, are you using tools to help you pre-schedule or are you doing this all sort of natively and off the cuff? Me personally, I, I do off the cuff. Um, I'm not using any schedulers, I, I, but I, however, I do see a lot of people that use schedulers with success. Um, they'll tweet something out and then have the system retweeted at the later time. But the reason they're finding success is because they're not just scheduling it and forgetting about it. They keep the, con the communication going and the interaction happening. And so I can't speak to if the algorithm 
down uh, plays the the automation, but I haven't really seen that. But it's also because the people that I've, I know use automation tools actually engage uh, with their audience after the, the tweets happen. They just use it as a means for um, scheduling something out because they know it's going to go, but then they're paying attention to it and then commenting and things like that. Yeah. And so beyond scheduling, let's talk a little bit about content planning, because as as we all know, sometimes we can be in meetings back to back. Sometimes we've got just a crazy day that gets away from us. And I know it's happened to me. It's happened to Mike. I'm sure it's happened to you, Steve, where we have the best of intentions to wanting to share something. We've got a burning post in mind and we just don't get to it. So tell me a little bit about your strategy when it comes to planning your content out. Yeah. So I do keep a spreadsheet really. Um, and I'll, I'll track some of those ideas in there. And that's where I, because there was a character limit and things like that, I'll use that to make sure that the tweets where it needs to be. But, um, yeah, that, that's my primary tool. It's nothing, nothing sexy. I mean, it basically just, I have a place where as ideas come up, particularly if there's nothing that I want to push off the cuff, that I do want to put more thought into, I keep it there. I might develop it out a bit more. Or if there's something a little more substantial, like it's a content piece that I worked on that um, might be housed someplace else, like on the website or other places, or maybe it's a, a video I might be involved in, I'll bring that into the spreadsheet and kind of break that down in a different way. And I think content can take so many different forms that pushing it out on Twitter is just one way to distribute that content that can live in other places. Mm-hmm. And for me, the beauty of Twitter was always, and I think it still is, the fact that it's really about the word, the written word. You know, you've got those 280 character limits. Um, you don't have to bring in a photo. You don't have to have a video. It's really about how well can you communicate and distill your point within that character limit. But as we all know, marketers, we are a fickle bunch and we need visual and we need stimuli and we need sexy, shiny, flashy objects to capture our attentions. Are you using video and, and images and photos? Are you creating graphics or other um, visual assets to attach along with your tweets? Uh, depends. Um, most of the times, no. If there is something like I talked about pushing the product in a sense, I'll have screenshots and bring those in for sure. Or if it's like a little GIF, animated GIF of, of the video of something happening, I'll bring that in. But for the most part, not to supplement or just have something to draw attention to the tweet. It's just the text. I have done a video that I also shared on LinkedIn and on, on Twitter as well, um, where it's be talking about something. So I'll, I'll incorporate that, but it's, it's not as common. Um, yeah, pretty much stick to the written, written content in Twitter. Since you mentioned LinkedIn, one last, uh, one more question quickly is, um, have you found differences in terms of what types of content works on which platform? And could you talk a little bit about that? For sure. I think it's also the audience, but it's also the, the, uh, medium that we're in. In Twitter, it can be a little snappier in the sense that it needs to resonate very quickly. Um, and they don't, I don't think tweets last as long than on LinkedIn. I'll see a LinkedIn post that I put out and a week later, I'm still getting a like on it or a comment. Whereas Twitter, it may be gone in, you know, 15, 20 minutes kind of thing, depending. So yeah, absolutely. The, the content you put in there does make a difference. And the, the format of it, it, it itself 
lends itself to, to being kind of quicker content as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think on LinkedIn, the audience that I have, I'm actually kind of know people more over there because they're actually people I've worked with before. And so I may change the content I put over there because I know they'll, they'll respond to it differently than the people that I push out on Twitter. So there's definitely a, a balance. So one other question that I had, and this is maybe a little bit personal because I'll, I'll share a little anecdote. I am curious is, have you had any negative or uh, interactions or, or a fallout or somebody maybe in your pipeline say something like, oh gosh, you post too much personal stuff or I don't want to hear about your kids and your dogs and your cats and your chickens and, and your time on the weekend. Like, have you, have you seen or experienced any kind of negative or negative comment or a fallout from your efforts on Twitter? No, and I think it's actually the opposite a little bit on Twitter because there is a little bit more of an expectation to have a little more personality and not just be pushing out about uh, work-related things or business-related things. And there's definitely people that, that that's what they stick to. They 100%, they don't sway from what their message is. Um, but there's, and myself included, I'll put different content out there. It, it really doesn't matter to me as long as it's not, I don't put a lot of like personal family stuff on it's not. I'm not trying to turn this into Facebook kind of thing. Um, it is related to me a little more professionally, uh, but different than LinkedIn. Like there's stuff on Twitter I definitely would put in that I won't put on LinkedIn. Makes sense, makes sense. All right, one final question from me and then Mike, if you have something else, I'll let you round it out. You mentioned that you're also involved with other founders and other, you know, company owners on Twitter, but outside of social media, outside of Twitter, maybe even outside of LinkedIn, have you experienced or have you heard from other co-founders, other founders, other business owners that have said, like, I'm never going to do that, or I don't know how you can do that, or I don't have the time for that, you know, and, and what is your response to that? How do you... Uh... <laughs> Get across that, no, this is a good thing. It's somewhat where you're comfortable because it's like any other marketing where you kind of have to experiment to see what works and what doesn't work. And if you're comfortable pushing your views out there and your thoughts out there, which I'm not always, I mean, it's a struggle for me. I'm, I'm more introverted. And so sometimes it is harder for me to push that stuff out there. So if you're not comfortable there, then, then you can be there and you can, that's where you can communicate with people and comment on their things and maybe do some direct messaging and, and interact that way without actually posting. So I think you can still get involved with it without feeling like it's overwhelming and consuming and you have to be pushing things out all the time. Yeah, I think we I think we generally put the pressure on ourselves as as entrepreneurs as business people. It's sort of no one's forcing you to go and post five times a day or two times a day or even once a day. Heck, like it's you figure out what works for you and then you decide how much you want to scale or how much you don't. Absolutely. All right. One last question for me. I lied. So this is really about kind of getting started because as we all know, especially as marketers, sometimes Getting started is our biggest hurdle. Putting, you know, putting a, an action plan in place is always the hardest step. So Steve, for our audience today that's listening, if they're thinking, I really got to start doing something with my personal brand, or I really want to get in on this marketing Twitter, 
what advice would you give them? What What is the step or tool or anything that you use to kind of just start? What What would that be? I would say start where you're comfortable, as I was saying, um, the platform, because it, it, it could be Instagram and there are some B2B that work in, in Instagram or LinkedIn, obviously, and, and Twitter. So find where you're comfortable. If you're already in a space and you're good there, I mean, I, I, I'm in a Facebook group that I, I frequent and I'm very comfortable there and I love posting there and interact with people. So that, that's another place you can be as well. So it doesn't have to be Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, you can go to places that you're comfortable. And once you're there, don't be afraid to comment on things that interact with. I think um, I, I, for the longest time, didn't. I, I was definitely just somebody that scrolled through things and I was just doing a kind of a mindless activity. But if you, you create some goals for yourself of, I'm going to at least comment on three three things today um, and that's going to be my, my starting point and then build on top of that I think you can you can work your way up wonderful well it's that time of the show where we now go to the lightning round great all right Steve so first question what's the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success uh, 100% trial slash demos did, did they fulfill what um, my goal was What's a new marketing strategy or tactic that you're looking forward to testing out this year? I, content marketing, absolutely. And I've neglected it. Like I said, I've come from the SEO world and the fact that I haven't really done that just drives me crazy. Um, so definitely want to get in more in adding content to the site because that then fuels everything else as well. I can lead down to Twitter, to LinkedIn, to other places. So uh, it's something I keep kicking myself on and, and I, I'm going to do it. Well, absolutely. We agree with you on that point. All right. What's a tool or platform you use in your work that you couldn't live without? For sure, Twitter. Um, and then I, I throw LinkedIn there as well because, you know, I love that platform as well. Um, but just another tool, I, I snag it, comes up all the time for me. It's a, it's a desktop tool for capturing images. I love that tool. I use it all the time. Um, awesome tool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say hands down, that's kind of the one I use most frequently. Uh, what is your favorite, or you could answer this, either your favorite or your least favorite business word or phrase? I'd probably say solutions. Being favorite or least favorite? Oh, sorry, favorite. Okay. I, I, I like being a problem solver. I like having a problem to solve and then giving that to somebody to, to help them. So, and that's really what the whole, what started my business was seeing a problem that I was feeling other people were feeling and trying to solve that. So I would say that's that's my favorite. What are some of the podcasts that you listen to most frequently? I've got a couple. One is, I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned by name, but Arvid Call has one who is, um, it's the bootstrap founder. And he really talks about getting going in starting a SaaS business. And it, it's just been immensely helpful. He's, he's got a lot of great stuff there. And then Everybody Hates Marketers is another one. Um, interesting title, but, um, Louis great. He's, he really does a good job of kind of similar to this podcast where they just get down to the business of things and, uh, really try to take, talk about actionable things. Awesome. We'll have to give that one a listen to. Okay. This is sort of related to 
the number of animals that you have at your house. So I understand you have a dog, you have several cats and chickens. Yeah. If you could only save one of them, <laughs> oh, which one would you choose? Oh, definitely my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the cats, I I'm afraid of. They don't like me. They love the rest of my family, but but not me for whatever reason. So that one's tricky. Um, I I adore the chickens, but if I had to choose, absolutely my dog. Well, he sees great. What's your dog's name and what kind of dog is he? His name, his name is Moki. Um, we adopted him when he was probably nine. He's pushing, I don't know, 13, 14 these days, but still just the sweetest guy. He's a, some sort of cattle dog. Okay. Yeah. Um, like a shepherd kind of mix? Yeah. Yeah. Well, small, medium size, just great personality. And, and he's come a long way since we adopted him. Well, that's wonderful. Well, we... Mike would agree with you on the dog. We we have a we only have the dog. We only have the dog. So we, That's the we, only, we only save him. I mean, yeah. uh, but uh, but he's also a shepherd. He's a shepherd mix, and uh, he's he's eleven, and he's also was very rowdy when we adopted him, but he's metal, mellowed out. So he's That's a good, good. good member of our family. Last but not least, who is a B2B marketing expert that you admire either on LinkedIn or Twitter? Ross Simmons comes to mind. He's on Twitter, great content marketer, pushes a ton of um, ideas about not only creating content, but how to distribute content. I'd absolutely recommend him. Um, Andy Christonia, Christodina, um, he's a Orbit Media fantastic pushes a lot of content out about google analytics and content which are two things that i love so um kind of again on that content side but i'd say the two of them are, are fantastic wonderful well thank you steve so much for joining us on the show today what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you yeah so you can find me on twitter at steve j lamar and then on linkedin at steve lamar and check out our website at promoprep.com Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Show Me the Proof Get to the Point podcast. Join us weekly for new episodes and seriously smart B2B marketing success stories. We'll show you the proof and get to the point every time. Find additional resources on the ProofPoint website, www.proofpoint.marketing, including the full episode library with show notes, guides, templates, and more great resources. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.